Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, South Mississippi Boat Show on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Uh, the weather has been absolutely incredible. This is the kind of weather you you're, you want to find a postcard and send to people and say, come to Coastal Mississippi and enjoy this amazing place. Hey, just a couple of things to share with, with you before we move to today's guest. This was posted by my friend Susan Griggs, and it's a quote from Brooke Hampton, and it said this, be the reason someone still believes in magic, truth, authenticity, compassion, intelligent conversation, loyalty, courage, and love. Uh, that doesn't have an agenda. I love that. You know, too often we come in contact with everyone who has an agenda, too many people who have an agenda. Let me put it that way. And uh, it's just great to come in contact with people who are just, you know, have the magic and the truth and the authenticity and the compassion who can have an intelligent conversation. We're going to have a guest like that here in just a second. Uh, I ran across this in a newsletter today, and it was a quote from Lucille Ball, and it said this, in life, all good things come hard. But wisdom is the hardest thing to come by. I lo- that's really a, an interesting way to say it. That you know, how many people do you know who don't learn from their mistakes? Who don't look at this as an opportunity to become a little more wise as they get older? I came I came across this this quote as I was doing some reading over the weekend, and I just thought it it was really kind of magic. And it's a, a Buddha saying. Here it is: Believe nothing, no matter where you read it or who said it, no matter if I said it, unless it agrees with your reason and your common sense. I thought that's pretty, pretty powerful, actually, unless it agrees with your reason and your common sense. So I think too often people don't bring their common sense to the table. I I was also reading, in fact, came across this, this guy, Joe, Johan Wolfgang von Gogh. This is the guy who lived between 1700s and 1800s. He was a German poet, a playwright, but here's how, here's why he got my attention. He said this, there is nothing worse than aggressive stupidity. (laughs) There is nothing worse than aggressive, aggressive stupidity. Boy, do we know that well in our social media worlds these days. And I'll just come back to what Lucille Ball said in life. All good things come hard, but, but wisdom is the hardest thing to come by. Might be a good idea to every now and then remind a friend to, you know, wise up a little bit. You know, there's wisdom is a powerful thing. Now let's uh, turn to our guest today, Marie Sanderson. She's the president and founding member member of um, Guidepost Strategies. She's actually involved in six different companies. Either she founded or co-founded and has been involved in. Um, I saw her on Fox News last week, and it just, I said, I'm gonna, I want to talk to her a little bit more deeply about some work she's involved in. But anyway, Marie, good morning. How are you? Morning, Ricky. I'm well. Thanks so much. I saw you smile when I, when I read that one quote, there is nothing worse than aggressive stupidity. <laughs> I wrote it down. Did you see me writing? <laughs> we see that a lot these days. And I thought that Buddha saying was really good, too, that, you know, we should bring our own reason, our own common sense to the conversation. Um, I think it was Mark Henderson who told me from, you know, from Lazy Magnolia, who said to me 
few months ago on one of our shows that too many people are waiting for today's thoughts to be delivered to them via Facebook, and they aren't willing to do their own homework. You run across that from time to time, don't you? Absolutely. Daily. In, in all avenues of life, yes. You know, I, you know, I, I First of all, congratulations on representing yourself and our community and, uh, you know, your, the things that you're involved in so well on Fox News last week. Um, I was really proud of you. You were so articulate, and the work that you're doing is so important, actually. And we'll get to that in just a second. But you didn't miss a lick. I mean, the fact <laughs> that you were right there from your house in, in Ocean Springs on Fox News it didn't phase you. You just use you what, what you're passionate about. It's kind of easy for you to deliver, isn't it? Well, you're, first of all, you're sweet to say that. Um, but yes, I mean, I think if you understand what you're for, then it can be easy to articulate that to someone. And, and some of these issues that I get the pleasure and the opportunity to work on are really important to me. So I like to communicate that back. So in addition to the companies that you're involved in, you actually started this effort called Into America with a couple of partners. Tell us about Into America. Sure. Well, Into America started um, as a brainchild about two years ago, uh, way before the presidential election. Uh, a group of friends and I were um, having a conversation about the trajectory of the country and that a lot of us work um, in multiple places across the country. I obviously uh, live in rural Mississippi, um, in coastal Mississippi. Um, I have friends and family all over our state, and our state is generally pretty conservative. And I understand generally what motivates Mississippians, and it tends to be extremely center-right. Um, but, you know, there's this belief, and, and it happens to be true, that a large voting block of Americans live in suburban America. Um, and for a variety of reasons, um, they did not vote with President Trump um, in the presidential uh, back in November. Um, and so what we we didn't know that that would be the case, uh, but two years ago, we wanted to have a lot of data to try and understand um, where they are in a variety of reasons. Um, and no matter what happened in the elections, we would have data that would paint a picture for us about where they were at certain points in time. Um, and we do have that. We have this really dense, rich database at Into America that we can look back on uh, from 2019, 2020, um, to see where suburban America's Americans were um, through the presidential race and all the Senate races that occurred, governor's races. Um, and so it does help us understand a little bit about how they think um, and how the tone of policy um, can can change an election outcome. Um, and so that's why we created it, is to, to understand these people better than we did two years ago. I've re referred to you before as sort of a political entrepreneur. You know, you're a policy expert. But remind people a little bit before we get into some of the work that you, that you guys did and some really fascinating uh, stuff that you've post, posted on your website about the first 100 days, the issue about schools and why schools are open in some parts of the country and in other parts of the country they're not, which is amazing to me. I talk about that all the time. But uh, what, what, remind people a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, my background in 30 seconds or less um, is in policy. Um, I was a business major, um, but really wanted to um, advocate for Mississippi in some way on the business side. And a friend said, why don't you go up to Capitol Hill? Um, like all political staffers, um, you have to beat the pavement. And I um, ended up in the office of Senator Thad Cochran with a little luck and a little hard work. And stayed there until Hurricane Katrina, uh, came home and worked for Governor Haley Barber. Um, and then from there, uh, worked for him on policy affecting the state. And then 
through him, had the opportunity to go to the Republican Governors Association and lead the policy effort for the nation's governors for about five years. Since then, I've been in the private sector working on a lot of, I call them my labor of love issues in the center-right, conservative, Republican areas of policy. Yeah, you know, I often say this, that I'm somewhere in the middle. I I feel like a lot of people in America are somewhere in the middle. I I would say center-right probably describes me. I'm religious. I have conservative values. I do think there's a role for government. It's limited. But at the end of the day, I'm somewhere in the middle. I would say a moderate. I'm a moderate. Um, But when you think about the people that you surveyed, the kind of people in in the states that you surveyed, that really defines a lot of those people, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It does. You know, uh, a lot of suburban Americans um, have moved around, so they're pretty well-rounded. They've lived in lots of places. Um, They may have lived in the city, moved out to the suburbs. Um, They want, uh, they are uh, mobile because they want the best for their family. They they typically have good jobs. They can pick up and go wherever they want to. Um, And they're pretty savvy. They understand the policy. You're not pulling the wool over their eyes with talking points or rhetoric. Um, They get it. And, you know, in some of the polling that we've done and I can talk about, um, they're pretty savvy on these issues. Um, And, you know, they give President Biden a pass on certain things. And, you know, we're calling balls and strikes where they need to on other things. And so I think, um, again, suburban voters, if you really want to um, have a conversation, like you said, at the top of the of this segment, um, they are willing to have it and they'll give you a lot of good information and opinions and feedback on certain policies. So let's let's do this. Let's talk about um, the, the first 100 days of, of Biden and some of the some of the key findings. But mm-hmm. I think it might be helpful to people to hear a little bit about the methodology you use, which is very unique and the states that might be that were involved in that assessment. Sure. So the the type of methodology is called um, qualitative surveying. And so we do this ongoing conversation uh, with suburban Americans who agree to participate. um, And we talk to them over a series of weeks, um, some of the same people about a variety of issues. So they agree to communicate with us. Um, We put a a, a conversation out. um, And so we're able to really get their feedback on a number, a variety of issues. Uh, It's not just a yes or no, or how do you feel about this, press one, press two. They actually tell us how they feel about the questions we're asking. And that dialogue is really important because a lot of times the meat of how someone feels is in in their response. Um, As far as the states, um, again, this was two years ago, but I think the same information is very rich. We looked at some of the states that would be swing states for us. We um, do these um, polling efforts in Arizona, uh, Georgia. Um, We do them in Michigan. Um, Any state that is kind of on that, uh, they're not quite Republican and they're not quite Democrat. Um, The purple states um, is where we like to have these conversations in suburban cities. Uh, Maricopa County and outside of Phoenix is a great example. Uh, We also do some polling outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. So when we come back, we're gonna it's it's, just, it's it's qualitative. We'll explain that as as it contrasts with quantitative data and and you know what you can draw from it. Uh, we'll talk about that for a second, and then we'll talk about the first one uh, 100 days, and also the school initiative that they have coming uh, that, that actually is ongoing as we speak. This is Maurice Anderson, and we'll continue the conversation after this break. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Marie Sanderson with us today, and uh, I've described her as a political entrepreneur and a conservative policy powerhouse in the first time that we 
got together. But but she's earned that. She's involved in multiple companies. She's involved in several initiatives that are designed to try to understand what's going on in America right now as it relates to center right, center right. But you know, in in the states that you go, you've gone to these purple states to try to understand a little bit deeper. You've used a qualitative approach. Now, for people who are not really into surveys, essentially, a a um, a, a a typical survey that would give you quantitative results. It would be sometimes hundreds, thousands of people. This is not that kind of study. This is one where you really are trying to delve deeply into what they're thinking. So you don't necessarily know what they think before you get into it. So you can't necessarily develop questions that will that will that will satisfy the need to get deeper you have to hear what they say first and mm -hmm. then dive into it so talk mm -hmm. a little, little bit about that yeah well here's a great example um you know we were trying to figure out where suburban voters might be in the direction of the company uh, of the country not the company <laughs> so instead of saying you know do you put right direction wrong direction how do you feel the the country's going uh, and saying you know, publishing some data that says 51% of the country is in favor of the direction that we're going, we instead uh, get their thoughts on a matter um, by getting a quote. So for instance, this gentleman says, I can never remember a time where there was so much division in the country. We are becoming more radicalized on both sides of the political aisle. And so there it is, right? I mean, this guy feels really strongly. And so rather than just looking at the data, uh, we can get um, their point of view. Another voter, a Georgia voter says, everywhere I look, I see people at extreme polar opposites. The comment sections of news articles, my friends' news feeds, neighborhood talks, it sometimes feels like it's becoming increasingly hard for people to find common ground. Um, so again, again, this is exactly what you said at the top of the segment about social media, but there it is in black and white. That's why people feel this way. Yeah, when you combine when you combine sort of cable news with social media, with the way that social media companies, especially Facebook, use data to determine uh, and artificial intelligence to determine our news feeds, it does make it appear the way they, they do it, that everyone agrees with us. But, but that's just because that's the way the artificial intelligence works. Sure. And it creates an animal of... Um, of monumental proportions that is hard to sort through. Now, the way to get through that, <clears throat> to cut through all of that noise, is to do the kind of qualitative research that you guys have been doing. So t talk to me a little bit about what you learned from the first 100 days as it relates to this qualitative study that you get you did. Yeah, well, the high points are that, you know, voters give um, President Biden high marks on his temperament, um, on the way he communicates. Um, they find it, you know, clear and easy to understand. Um, they give him high marks on his handling of COVID, mainly because they know where he's going. He says what he says. He says it again. He says it again. And there's no deviation. Um, his cabinet's on the same page. Um, he doesn't contradict um, all things that we saw President Trump do and whether or not you agreed with him. It was confusing to people who were trying to understand what the holistic message on fighting COVID would be. Um, but again, as I said in the last segment, um, these voters are smart, right? And so they're not fooled on the border. Um, they, they, they give him very bad marks on security, on securing the border. Um, they feel like he um, inherited a problem and is making it worse. Um, his policies are encouraging more people to come to the United States. And um, they're very concerned about that. Um, they're also really concerned about cancel culture. Um, and they, they don't think that the president's done a lot to address it. 
Um, and so, you know, that's a, a key piece on some of his policies. Um, they're really concerned about taxes. I mean, think about the suburban voter. Um, they probably have a good job. They're keenly aware of how much money they make um, and whether or not they're above this $400,000 threshold um, to be taxed. They know that anyone who's taxed, the cost of goods and services will increase. Um, if you're going to increase corporate taxes, it's going, some taxes are going to go up in other places. Um, and so they're very aware of that. Um, some of these suburban Americans have flagged the estate tax as a, as a very key piece of something that they think is unfair for the president to go after. On this transportation and infrastructure, you know, everybody wants better infrastructure. You know, right here locally in Ocean Springs, we've been dealing with a bridge closure forever. Uh, but again, these suburban Americans are saying, how are we going to pay for it? There's a lot of spending. There's a lot of pork. Um, and I think like most bills in Congress, um, they didn't necessarily know what was in it. So getting back to these questions, you know, when you say, well, did you know that there's social economic spending um, entitlement programs in this infrastructure bill? It's not just roads and builds, you know, roads and buildings and um, bridges. Um, they're frustrated by that. And so I think th the president um, is being viewed as being controlled by the progressive side of his party. And he runs a real risk of continuing to disenfranchise suburban voters if he continues down this path, um, because they're smart enough to understand the difference. To what extent did you guys get into the, the, this? You know, there was a lot of hope around Biden if mm -hmm. he gets elected. I, I don't mean hope around him in general, but a lot of hope around him being moderate. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. You know, that he would, you know, if a Democrat gets elected, he has a history of being moderate. To what extent would the progressive you know, elements of the party control what he's, you know, what his agenda is going to be? It certainly seems like the progressive side of the, of the, of the, uh, of the, of the, you know, the office is really controlling a lot of the current policies. Did they see that? Did they feel that? Did they worry about that? They do. I mean, I think honestly, why most suburban Americans like Biden personally, you think he's a good guy. They they are very concerned about his ideology and his policies, and they don't think he's even trying to unify the country. The whole unity piece um, is not lost on these on these voters. Hey, so what would be the next step? Will there be two hundred days, one hundred fifty days? I mean, what's the what's the next step as, as it relates to coming back to these folks and hearing the latest? Well, we're talking about what we want to put back in the field. Um, I think we liked these um, look back projects, so we'll probably do the next 100 days. Um, we'll probably start pivoting to looking at some of the Senate races and the House races. Um, it, typically, that drives a little bit about what we want to look at, although um, this is not necessarily an overt political effort, but we like to know what people in those states are thinking. Um, and so I think we'll look at infrastructure. Um, we'll look at taxes. We'll continue to do that. Um, healthcare. Um, I personally want to dig into health care. We know the president and the, and the White House is looking to expand Obamacare. They've made no secret about that. Um, we've talked about the public option. Uh, and I think suburban Americans are savvy enough to know that that's not what they want. Um, the President Obama, if you go back, you know, eight years before, said, if you like your health care, you can keep it. Well, that was not true. So I'd be curious to see as a you know, known Republican, um, how they're going to sell um, a more um, widespread entitlement program to suburban Americans because they have no interest in giving up the health care they have. Um, let's move to schools. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really, I was so thrilled to see you guys come out so hard that essentially the school closures that we've that we've seen around the country 
are definitely going to lead to uh, decreased achievement and who knows what else uh, in terms of increased mental issues and and you know family problems and who who knows it's it's going it's a we're going to be writing about this for many years to come what this impact has been and, and I talk to administrators here in coastal Mississippi on a regular basis and the work that they've done since essentially the governor opened things back up again enabled them to find a ways to open up the schools in a way that would be safe. They haven't really missed a lick, and they've done a really good job. This goes for both the public schools and the parochial schools. And uh, I think we've been a real best practice as it relates to that. And when you think about it, other areas of the country are still not in classrooms, which absolutely amaze me. And then, of course, I see you on Fox News talking about it. Um, and we're going to we actually, Cal, you, you're good to play the commercial. You got it ramped up. Yeah, we're going to, in just a second, we're going to come back and we're going to play the commercial that came out of your efforts, but kind of set it up for a little bit. Well, again, I think this came, um, one of the co-founders, Liesl Hickey is a mom, um, and she lives in um, uh, Washington, D.C., and then another one of our co-founders, Janera Peck, um, lives in Virginia, and our situations were so different. Here I was in Mississippi and my kids are going to school um, and it wasn't without challenges, but look, we made it through that. And my children have benefited from that push to do the right thing. Um, My friends, children were not in school and we started to talk about it. Um, We started to get involved. Um, We started to talk um, via Zoom, of course, with parents in other parts of the country in Virginia and ask what we could do to help. And the first piece of that um, was to um, educate these moms and dads about how this process is done, who's keeping your child out of school. Um, We also talked to legislators across the country who were trying to do the right thing and and offered our support um, in getting um, these these states back open where their governor would not encourage their State Department of Education. In many cases, that the education secretary reports to the governor. That's, of course, not the case in Mississippi. Um, but, But we were really disappointed in some of um, the bluer states um, that were not opening up and felt like this awareness campaign um, would help with a grassroots movement. Hey, so Cal, if you don't mind, why don't you tee that up and let's hear, this is a quick little uh, ad that's running in those states and we'll see that and we'll come back and talk about it. What don't they understand? For kids, school is everything. School is learning, lunch period, friends, the big game. School is where our future starts. The CDC, the science, and the experts say schools can safely open. There's little talk about what's best for us. Unions and politicians seem more concerned about what's best for them. The failures won't go unnoticed because what's happening is real. It's time to let kids learn. It's a powerful commercial. It really is. And and for the radio audience, embedded in there are statistics um, that talk about you know why this is important and why kids should get back in school. Uh, but it is true that you, that the uh, that the teachers unions in a lot of cases are the ones sort of holding this up, isn't it? It's absolutely true. Um, and it's interesting. Um, when I did the the promotion on Fox News, I got a lot of calls from my Democrat friends from across the country. I do actually have friends on the opposite side of the aisle. And it was interesting. They all agree. Um, but they're but I think that what they wouldn't say, and I'm going to say for them, is that the unions are the ones um, stopping uh, Democrat or left-leaning elected officials from from opening up the schools. They give a lot of money. Um, you know, there was if you watch the timeline of what President Biden said to open in the schools and the unions pushed back on that. It was really interesting to see how the rhetoric changed. So I do think this is a union problem. 
Um, and I think the right thing to do for elected officials is to turn away from the money and to open up these schools and do it for the kids. This, you cannot, the mental challenges for children, in addition to the gap that they're receiving and the achievement gaps um, in education are very real and they're being measured. And we're going to deal with this for years to come already at this point. So we need to fix it. We got about a minute left, Marie, uh, but the, the feedback has to have been significant. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people want, have reached out to say, um, how can I help? Um, you know, friends, I have friends in Arizona. I have friends in other parts of Virginia where we haven't entered in Michigan um, have reached out to say, hey, can you come here? I've had people offer with research and data. Um, and there's a movement. Um, this is a really powerful movement. And I think one thing that's interesting for the center right movement is we've often struggled to talk about education. Um, but this is an issue where we're going on offense and people understand. And I said in my remarks, and I believe it, education doesn't have to be partisan. But if we need to make it um, a grassroots movement um, to get it over the finish line, then that's what we're going to do. Well, this has been Marie Sanderson, uh, my friend, a good friend of Coast View. We've talked on a number of different dimensions over the past year, but she's the president and founding fa- pa- partner of Guidepost Strategies and other companies. She is a, a, a public policy powerhouse, as I've discussed uh, about her before. But Marie, thank you so much for your hard work. And also, thanks for representing us so well on Fox News. We appreciate you. <laughs> thank you, Ricky. I appreciate you always having me on your show. You bet. And we'll see you after this. Uh, we'll continue after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.